you sold your house to travel. How long did you guys plan to travel? The plan was about a year. Um, we knew we could have done it a lot longer if we had had a thinner budget. We know we wanted to do a lot of big things. We wanted to go a lot of places. And we were like, we're going to take our whole budget and we're going to try and cram as much into a year as we can. And so that's what we did. So we ended up being gone, I think, 14 months. Amanda, we're so happy that you're here. We, I feel like we know you and your family pretty well, only because of your dog. Well, we've met. We have met in person. <laughs> yeah, we, ha we have. For anybody that doesn't know who you are, who doesn't follow you, you have a big travel following. You're on Instagram, TikTok, all of that jazz. Give me the elevator pitch of who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff. So I started a travel blog back in 2019, and that was kind of my thing, right? I was like, I don't know anything about doing any of this, but I want to start a blog. That sounds fun. I love to travel and I want to write about it. And so everybody talks about when you're going to get a blog, you need to also have social media. So I started an Instagram with that. And then I learned writing a blog is a lot of work and it takes a lot of time, like bulk time. So it was easier to do like small pieces on Instagram. And so that's what I did. And then that's what I focused on. And then when we were traveling full time, because we sold our house in 2020, traveled off the proceeds, traveled for 14 months. And then when we came back, I was like, you know what? I probably should try this. I feel like I have so much to offer and so much that I can teach from what we've learned. And so that's when I started taking it seriously and it just, it blew up. It did really well. So how many countries did you guys visit in those 14 months? How many, how many places and where did you go? 21. So we went 21 countries, um, five continents, if you count the U S and Mexico. And then we went probably over a hundred like locations, like uh -huh. cities and stuff. Oh my gosh. That makes me so tired just thinking about oh, that. So you, you sold your house and then you started traveling, yeah. but you didn't have a following. You weren't online or and like where you had just started your travel blog. So, I mean, why sell the house? Why start traveling? And then why start posting it? Yeah. So this is a great question because this is what I was trying to say. And then I just, I, I have a tendency to just derail and just like where I was going with things. But that's a great because when I started, got, in, got on Instagram and started like following people and kind of learning more about like this space, I don't think without following people, I would have ever thought what we did was possible for me because I it felt like something non-tangible for me, right? Like I don't have a trust fund. I do have a nine to five. I do have a house. Uh, you know, I'm an adult with a career. Like I can't just leave my job and go travel. And from following all these people on Instagram, talking about the things that I want to do and being like, look, I'm a normal person and this is how I prioritized it. And this is how I made it work. And this is how you can make it work. I was like, oh, I could do that. So then afterwards, that's when I was like, okay, if I had such a life impact from other people on social media, like I want to be that for people. I want to show that it is possible, like to do whatever you want to do. It doesn't have to be travel. Yeah. I, I will say that I, I, you know, I followed you for a while, but I remember like when you really started taking off, it was the really helpful reels of like how much it costs to visit each place. And I thought that was so helpful because I mean, you keep such detailed budgets too, don't you? Like down to the penny. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Because my background is in statistics. So I have a degree. In there it is. <laughs> so I'm a very number. Sorry, yeah. I'm a very oriented person and I basically like my corporate job, I'm in Excel all day. Like I live in Excel. So I tracked 
everything. Like Austin would get annoyed because I was like, how much did you pay for that? Five soles? No, I need, I need to know. Like, I need to know it. <laughs> and so when I decided to start that series, which is really what blew up, right? Like, I think we met and became like friends online because y'all were in Brazil with Kramer. And I was like, oh yes. my gosh, these people took their dog to Brazil. That is the <laughs> level that I want. <laughs> their dog. <laughs> so, okay, you touched on your job. And I, I always have a hard time with these interviews with people that we actually already know because I know the answers to some of these questions. So I want to make sure I'm not missing anything to kind of fill in the blanks for everybody else who doesn't know you yet. But you sold the house. You guys worked nine to fives. Did you work those on the road or did either of you guys work or did you guys just quit your jobs for 14 months to go on the road? We just left. Wow. No work, wow. no income, which gives you a very different perspective of spending money when there's like, oh, every single penny that I'm tracking, every single penny that I'm spending is actually coming out. Like that number is perpetually going down. There's nothing coming in to offset it. Like we didn't make a single dollar. And even after the fact, when that series started to do well, and I started to actually have a following, there was so much assumption of like, well, of course you did this because you're an Instagrammer. Like you make content. It's like, no, I do now, but I didn't make a single dollar off of content. And I had no passive income, no anything coming in when we were gone. Wow. So you didn't start posting content until you were already finished the 14 months of travel. Is that right? Kind of. I didn't start posting seriously. I was okay. posting I was keeping up with stories and I didn't really know how to post. Right. Like there's such a, right. I feel like there's like this weird conception. It's like you just post and you're just going to like right. do it, but it's not, it's a business, right? It's like, there mm -hmm. is a strategy and I didn't understand any of that. And so I kept up with stories a lot. And I think I had like 2000 followers most of the time that we were gone. Wow. Um, that's great. So I, my highlights that I like tracked all of my stories and that's what I stayed consistent with. All of those highlights are still up and they're super detailed and people still watch those from like, you know, two years ago and send me messages about like, Oh, where do you have a pin for this restaurant or what company did you rent this motorbike from? Um, so like, okay. So it wasn't a total waste, you know, Yeah. Right. I love it for us because it's fun to go back and be like, Oh, look at this. Here's like an entire journal of our trip but it's also like people that. are still using those details. I love that. Man. So you kind of said something just then of, it's a travel journal for you guys to look back on. And I don't think we've said this yet, but when I refer to y'all, I'm talking about you and your husband, Austin, yeah. just to make sure everybody out there knows, like there's two of you guys out there traveling together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not referring to Theo, who is sitting right behind you. <laughs> and Amanda, Amanda and Austin have the most adorable dog. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw this in here because I really wish I could interview Theo, but Theo is essentially Kramer's twin. And yes. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, can you hold Theo up really fast? Theo, can you say hi? He's in my chair. He had a bath. <laughs> he was a little wet. Theo, can you? <laughs> I love him. He, he's got the same attitude as Kramer. Just they, like they shove have, off. Like, yeah. <laughs> they both have the underbite too, which is what kills me. <laughs> They're just so much alike. He's giving so much side eye and attitude because he had a bath this morning, which is why he looks weird <laughs> I, you know theo's middle name is kramer oh my gosh i forgot you told me that was it named after the seinfeld character too yeah, because my family growing up our family dog was named newman that's right you told us this i completely forgot and so my dad loves seinfeld i grew up watching seinfeld my dad has like the post the kramer posters in our garage so when i got theo i was like well the family name he needs to have kramer in his middle name 
<laughs> I love that. I had completely forgotten you told me that. Like they really are identical. They really I mean, I, they've met, they have met one time in yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, and they put up with each other. I felt like they were like, okay, we agree to disagree, but you're here, I'm here, let's do this. Right. We do need to make that dog vacation happen. Like we both, we've, I know we've joked about it for a long time, but let's go on a trip together and bring the dogs. I think that would be so much fun. <laughs> I'm like constantly telling Austin, I'm like, can we please? Like, look at Kramer in Korea. Come on. <laughs> I'll give you all my notes on that. Oh, yeah. We yeah. have, like, figured out international travel with a dog. It's not easy, but it's possible. No. And he's internationally known in Korea as Dog Baby. So that's that's well, what he's known as. Theo has been to Costa Rica. Is that right? Was it Costa Rica? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, we took How was that? Rica, or we took him for three and a half weeks, um, wow. which was great. We rented a car to make it much easier, right, to bop around. Um but we almost got stranded there uh, because in Costa Rica, they have a very specific rule where you have to get like a USDA form signed, right? But it's only good for 30 days from the date they're inspected, not the date it was approved. And I miscalculated that date by one day. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. We were at the airport trying to leave and they were like, this form expired yesterday. <gasps> oh my and, gosh. And they actually looked at the form. They, I mean, because sometimes... We have seen in like Mexico or some other countries where they kind of glance over it. Like it's not, they're not as detail oriented, but Costa Rica, you know, they, they looked at it pretty closely. They looked at it pretty closely, but also it was Delta. So mm. I, this is why I'm so glad we flew with Delta because Delta was looking at the forms. And before we ever got checked in, they were like, you're a day off. And we stood there for 30 minutes. And I know some Spanish, so I can understand some of what was going on. But I was just like standing there. And they went and argued, not argued, but like advocated for us on our behalf with immigration to let us go through. It was like, if we were flying like a cheaper airline, no way. Yeah. yeah, we always recommend Delta. Delta is hands down the best one to fly with with the dog. That's who we took to Korea, Brazil, mm -hmm. Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Delta yeah. all day long. I mean, if we could get sponsored by Delta, that'd be like the dream. Right yeah, there. you heard that here. Um, so. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, that was completely derailed. We derailed the conversation for the so, dogs, but that's very important. So let's go. Let's let's go back. You sold your house. You traveled for an entire year. You're not making any money whatsoever, and then all of a sudden you start posting consistently and you become this accidental influencer. Yeah. Um, what, like at what point were you like, oh, this, this is legitimate. I could be this person that influenced or, you know. Like make money from it, is that what you mean? Yeah, like, at, yeah, you were like, what? at what point were you like, oh, this could be a, a sustainable income or, you know, uh, yeah. occupation? So that was part of why I started actually trying. Like, that's why it's like a, I'm a half accidental. Like I was accidental in the way that I blew up. Like you can't control that, but I was trying. Like it was intentional to an extent. I had a better idea of what I was doing. I just didn't think it would happen that quickly. And I didn't think it would have that impact. And so my goal, like I set up a goal of growth for 2022. And my goal by the end of the year was to have 10,000. I wanted to have 10,000 followers. That was my goal for the year. In February, I had 2,300. And by July, on July 4th, I hit 100,000. That wow. is crazy. Yeah. I remember when that started happening. I was like, oh my gosh, Chris, look at Amanda. She's doing it. It is crazy. And so I actually hit the 10,000 on Memorial Day last year. So almost exactly a year ago. So like in a month, you grew 90,000 people. In, yeah, in about a month and a half. My my largest, it's, it's honestly, it's insane. My largest follower growth day was 20,000. Oh 
Holy wow. moly. I cannot imagine that. And, and I know we say all the time, it's not about numbers, no. but numbers truly are important though. Like when you're trying to make a sustain, like some sort of income, whether it's full-time yeah. or part-time numbers are important because that's what brands look at. Like I know they say we look at the individual. There's a lot of different things that they consider, but numbers are so important. It, so I know when creators yeah. get hung up on it, it's like, if I don't have the numbers to show, I may not get that partnership. That's really important. So to see that kind of growth is just like, yeah, you're on the right path kind of thing. Yeah. So did, did you have your notifications on turned on on your phone during this time? or? No. <laughs> so you just opened your phone and you're like, oh, there's 20,000 new people. Yeah, I was, yeah. Oh I, I've always had my notifications off for Instagram because I don't like it. I don't want notifications on. I still check it way too often. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I'm like, oh, I have great boundaries. And I check it three times a day. Because <laughs> but no, I've always had notifications off. And I saw, I mean, it was going, right? I saw it going up, but not, I mean, that was just insane. Anyway, it was, it was crazy. But I think to the, your point about, like, it's not about the followers. It's not. It's not about the numbers. I never imagined in my wildest goals ever that I would have the following I have now. So that's just like it, I don't take it for granted and it feels unreal to me. But the one thing that I tell people, the one thing that is truly easier, the more followers you have is actually being able to monetize. You can monetize with less followers, but if you're doing a brand deal, as you know, if you have a brand deal for 10,000 followers and a brand deal with a hundred thousand followers, you can charge 10 times more if you have a hundred thousand yep. followers. So it's also about being able to have the impact. Like I can impact more people because I can make more money off of doing the things that I like so that I can spend more time doing that. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think along those lines of having the numbers is also having the quality audience. Like this is something that Chris and I, like we struggle with growth, like consistent growth, but I feel like nine times out of 10, like our audience shows up for us. Like they do. Mm -hmm. So we have like the steady like good comments, good interaction, that mm -hmm. kind of thing, which also is very important. And I know like you have a really large following, but you also have a really good audience, which I know brands are looking yeah. for. So you have done not just grown it, but you've done it well and provided good value to other people who recognize it and then continue to come back for more. And and so do you like do you attribute like the the helpful tips or like the the money that, you know, the the series that you were doing of like this is what it costs for this trip. Do you attribute that to the to the growth was it one specific post that just kind of went viral or was it multiple no so that was kind of one of the things i learned the most from having like viral posts right is that going viral doesn't really mean anything in terms of conversion because it's like if you have i i have a post that's the most views i've ever had on a reel very low converting in terms of views to followers because it's shareable right people share it with their friends but it's not anything about me. It doesn't talk about why you would want to follow me or what I offer to anybody. And so I think there's a big like push and pull between what's viral and what's actually getting people to come look at my page and see if I have something that's mm -hmm. interesting to them in the future, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. It wasn't no. Post ever. I, that makes a hundred percent. Yeah. No, like, I, I mean, I think personally, like, you know, when I'm on YouTube shorts or Instagram rails or something, I'm scrolling through, I'll send funny ones or ones that I find really interesting, but I never follow. I never follow. I never follow anybody. Um, that's yeah. really interesting that you say that. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to talk in a minute about like your tips and tricks, because I know you have a whole Instagram like 
course growth, everything. And so I want I wanted to ask a few things without giving away everything that's in your course, just to kind of like pique people's interest and give, give some value here. But before we do that, I do want to touch a little bit more on the travel aspect of it, mm-hmm. more than just like even the content, but like how, how do you plan your travels and does sharing content impact your travels? And if, if so, in what ways? Do you mm-hmm. plan your trips around, you know, content or searchability or what's trending or um, do your days... Do you get up super early in the morning to get the best content? I mean, what does this look like? How does how does being a content creator impact your travels? This is why I say I'm a bad influencer. <laughs> because all like big creators, right? They're like, you have to get up at 5 a.m. You need to be out there before the crowds are there. You need to get sunrise content. You need to stay up until midnight. And that is not me. <laughs> it's, ex- it's exhausting when we actually make that happen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and if you do it somewhere like... Alaska in the summer where there's like four hours of darkness, like you just it's, don't sleep. Yeah, you just don't. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I and I get it. And maybe that's something that I'll be better at in the future or will change the way that I approach it. But I'm just that's just not me. I don't like to wake up at 5 a.m. I will if it's for something specific, right? If it's for something super cool. But I even if I have goals of like, okay, you know, we're in a really beautiful place. I would love to wake up at 5 30 and I'm we're gonna go get these really pretty like sunrise light photos. And my alarm goes off and I'm like, I don't care that much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so true. (laughs) And so I just, and I don't plan our trips um, around content at all. I I go where I want to go, which just tends to be places that are less visited. Um, And maybe that's something that I should be better about. Maybe I should do some more like market research on what's growing, but that's not what I like, right? Like I like the places that people aren't going. Like I like, Oman, right? I never even heard of Oman until social media, basically. And I was like, oh, this is incredible. I want to go here. And then I went and was like, this is one of the most incredible countries I've ever been to, which just reiterated, like, for me, why I'm like, yeah, this is why I like doing this because now I'm able to show so many people this beautiful, incredible country and open their eyes to it the same way that it was for me. Mm, I love that. We get that. We struggle with that 100% about... Especially as you're trying to scale a business. Yeah, you're trying to scale like a travel business and it's, you know, you you post these videos or, you know, Instagram posts and everything. And so you can look and try to find countries or places. You're like, oh, this would do really well. This would be searchable. But then if we end up hating it, I feel like it shows. It it does. And we've known people who totally play the keyword game. And I'm not going to say we've never done that. Like we have tried to... Be strategic if we're going to a place. Like if we know we're going, if we know we're going there, we try to be strategic in how we how we feature it. We may not be strategic in what places we go or show while we're in that place, but for us, we're the same as you. Like we want to go and just experience and see whatever, and staying flexible and just seeing what happens because that's half the fun of travel is the spontaneity, and that may not be for everybody. But I think being a travel content, is, it makes it a little harder when you're creating content, but it also makes it, mm-hmm. I feel like it shows a little bit more soul. Like you can tell you love it or you either hate it or it's just unexpected. And I think that that shows in your content for sure. Yeah. Like I see that there. That's one of the things that I'm like, maybe I'm not a great influencer in that way because I'm like, I, to me, it feels inauthentic, right? Like the whole reason I share this is because I want to share what I love about travel and what encourages me about travel and what I learn from other people that I love about travel and then to do it just for the money part would be like, well, why am I doing this in the first place? Right? Like, but there is a balance cause it is a business. Um, but I think it's hard sometimes to find that balance. And I feel like maybe I err too much on the side of like, 
doing what I want. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, I think if you're doing what you want, at least for us, like if we continue doing what we want versus doing what the algorithm wants or doing what we know is going to surface on Google, we're going to not burn out as easily. I feel like just because, I mean, so far we're doing great. We're four and a half years in, four years in, yeah. and we're not burned out because we're doing what we want versus like what other people are telling us they want to see from us. Like if we were listening to what people want to see from us, we would still be living in a van down by the river. And don't get me wrong, I love the van and I miss the van, yeah. but we, we've we made hard decisions and I know you probably have too, where it's like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do, not based on what you want to do. Like mm. my biggest thing I absolutely hate is like when people are like, you have to niche down. You have to niche down. And like that puts me in such a box. Like it scares me. Like, no, I don't know if I'm going to love this forever, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I know something that you're really an advocate for is like, you can do this now. You don't have to wait until you quit your job to start creating content or to start traveling the world. If you want to travel the world without creating content or do both along the way, are you working a job now? Like, is that something you can speak to as far as like, are you? Did you guys have to go back to the nine to five? Do you still travel at all? Where are you guys at? So I was very lucky because I never thought this would happen, but I was very prepared to just quit my job, right? Because we had decided we had a lot of conversations. We decided this is something that we really want to do. And I love the job that I have. I love the company I work for. I love the people I work with, but I was like, this is something I feel compelled to do and we're going to do it. And so I sat down with my CEO and I told him, look, there's this thing that I want to do. And I'm really sorry if it's like puts you in a hard place, but this is when we're going to leave. And he was like, okay, I hear you. How about you take as much time as you need and we'll put you on unpaid leave and you come back when you're ready. That's incredible. That's Talk a, about a dream situation. That's an amazing boss oh, because yeah. the bosses that, that I've had in the past, if I even give an inkling of like, hey, I saw an, another opportunity, you're fired. Like, like I had awful bosses in the past. Can but. I ask what Austin's experience is like? Did he, did his boss have that same? No, okay, yeah. so it is. But yeah. he probably, he wanted to kind of maybe get into something a little bit different too. Okay. Um. So it, it worked out for him. He did like the people he worked with and everything, but it, he'd been there for a long time and was kind of looking to diversify his like work experience. But yeah, mm -hmm. no, he just, he just kind of dipped out and that was it. Good for mm -hmm. him. Like what a brave move. I think a lot of people take travel as like that opportunity to make a big life change. I mean, we have, that's been our, Whenever we've taken a big trip, whether it's buy a van or go to Asia or whatever, it's always when we have something like we need that change. I think travel works really well for that. Are you still working now? Like you took the entire year off and then did you come back to a job? And like, what's that look like now? So actually we were in Oman and I, the reason I didn't want to, you know, my, my CEO offered me a couple of things like, well, maybe we could keep you on health insurance and all of this. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do that. That I'm that would make me uncomfortable because I don't know how this is, experience is going to change me, right? I don't want to promise you something and then not be able to follow through or feel like I have to come back. I just, I appreciate the offer. I'll go on unpaid leave. I don't want to let you down. So let's just leave it at that, right? And so after a while, we were getting towards the end of our year of travel and we were like, okay, we're going to need to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's really fun just doing whatever we want, not making any money, but we're going to need to make some money. And we decided that, the easiest, best way made the most sense. I was going to go back to work because I liked my job and I knew what to expect and they were willing to have me back. And so we were in Oman and I had a call with my CEO and this was in December of 2021. And I was like, I would love to come back. And he was like, awesome. Can you come back soon? And I said, nope, we are taking Theo to Costa Rica. <laughs> in February. Priorities. <laughs> I was like, we'll be back beginning of March. I need a few weeks to like 
arrange my life and I'll come back to work at the end of March. So I went back to work at the very end of March of 2022. And so I've been working full time, nine to five, my same job I worked before and doing content on the side. So Wow. That's so much to juggle. It's, so how how is travel different now that you're part-time travelers versus full-time travelers? Do you feel like the experience is still rich and that you're getting a chance to really experience the places, even though maybe your time there is not as long as what you had being full-time travelers? Yeah, I think that we travel differently now, right? I think that when you've traveled for a longer period of time, you just do things differently. So I feel like mm-hmm. we get much more of a long-term travel experience, even when we're not there long-term, if that makes sense. So early yeah. background of like how we got into travel and how I learned to travel originally. When you learn to travel, it's like any skill, right? You have no idea what you're doing. You look back when you're better at it and you're like, wow, I can't believe I did that. That made no sense, <laughs> right? Yes. That was wild. So in 2015, when Austin and I graduated from North Carolina, we took a month long trip to Europe. This was the second time I'd ever been out of the country. I'd never been out of the country until I was 20 and I went to Mexico to an all-inclusive on a trip that I won with my summer internship. Wow. <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. I, I'd never been out of the country until then. Went to yeah. Mexico. And then we went to Europe for a month and we were there for 28 days and we went to 11 cities. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> did you, did you love it though? Like, I love, I mean, it, but I was exhausted. Yeah. yeah. You went from nothing to like full throttle, let's do this and hit Europe. I would argue because I was like, I need to take a nap. I'm going to pass out. He was like, no, we have to go. (laughs) We're paying good money to be here. We have to experience everything. We have to do it all. And so (laughs) like, as you know, like when you're bouncing around a lot, you don't really get as much time to like appreciate it, enjoy it, really learn a lot. And so for contrast, we went to six countries that trip in 11 cities in 28 days. In December, January, we went to Morocco and we spent two weeks just in Morocco. Right. So it's a very different experience. You get to like learn the culture and the people and the food and things that remind you of Moroccan things when you see them other places. Cause you just started seeing, Oh, those glasses. I recognize these little cups. Those look Moroccan, right? That kind of, yeah. Um, versus when we went to Switzerland, we went to just Lucerne and now I couldn't tell you anything about Switzerland, right? Like I didn't Mm. find there to learn it. I don't know if that answered the question. No, that does. 100%. We're the same way. Like, I mean, there have been places, I guess, more domestically where we just breeze through. And I feel like I don't know it that well. But if we go somewhere international, we've always stayed at least two weeks somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I still feel like I've only scratched the surface. Like the longer you stay somewhere, the more you realize you don't know it. But you also get that better understanding of, I mean, you pick up more on the culture versus just seeing the sites, I think. And that's, Mm -hmm. that to me is like more travel versus vacationing. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Not that you have to go. I'm not saying that like, if you have to travel faster because of work or something, your your experiences can still be just as rich and just as valuable. Just like take your time to slow down and enjoy it. As, I, that's my opinion. Yeah. No, well, and I think it comes down to like what you're wanting the trip to be. Yeah. But I mean, like we, like we as people, we enjoy culture. Like we enjoy getting to learn and, and see how people operate differently. But if you're wanting to take a vacation somewhere, Mexico at an all-inclusive is probably a good trip because you, I don't think that you're really caring uh, about the culture there. You just want to relax, you know? Yeah, we find relaxation in the chaos of a different culture. Like we like walk, we like being somewhere slow and trying to figure it out. So how do you use your content creating? Because I know you said it was originally like a travel journal. Like you documented your experiences with Austin and that was a way for you guys to look back at 
all of the amazing places you guys got to go. How does that affect the content you're creating now? Because I know that you are thinking in terms of a business now. Do you still look at it and say, this is still for me? Like, I still want to capture the moments that are important to me and that I'm going to remember. Yes, for my stories, which is the way that it always has been. So if I go to a place like Savannah, even, I'm going to post a lot of stories of Savannah, right? I'm going to show you everything that we did. It's like a little travel diary on my stories, but I don't do that on my reels because that's not as helpful. And I try really hard to provide helpful content in my reels and like tangible things that people can use. And a lot of that to me is more entertainment than content. Does that make sense? Like versus. Yeah, yeah. no, it does. Yeah. I've oh, go ahead. No, I've never heard anybody differentiate the different content, like different types of content on Instagram. So you're using your stories as more of a personal, like this is your notebook, you know, like journal. And then you're using your reels as informational. And then is are your posts, are they like a blend between the two or they're more for promotion? I would say my like static posts, just like my feed posts, are pro- they can vary. Sometimes it'll be something that's more like about me. Like mm-hmm. here's who I am. Here's how I got into travel. Like, I'm not special. You can do this. And sometimes it's like, here is random tips that you need to know before you go take your dog to Costa Rica, right? Like this is tangible value that you can use. Let's go back to your travels because I, I re- we really want to touch on this. What is your favorite place that you, you have traveled to? Well, you know, as a traveler, you can't pick one. It's like right. the <laughs> downfall of the question. But I would say... I have a couple of favorite countries. I have favorite cities. I have favorite regions. So it depends, right? My favorite cities, I would say, is Istanbul and Cape Town. I would live in either one of them. I would move to both of them. Um, Places, like country-wise, I love Thailand, right? You have to love Thailand. Who doesn't love Thailand? But I, in general, yeah, I love Thailand. Um, But I love to travel to the Middle East or places that are grouped in the Middle East because I later learned that the Middle East is not really an agreed upon term, right? Like mm-hmm. places that we consider in the Middle East, they don't necessarily consider themselves in the Middle East. Right. Um, but anyways, I love those kinds of places. I love desert places. I love desert landscapes. I love the culture. I think it's so interesting because I like to travel places that feel wildly different to me. I was going to ask that if that was important to you. That's kind of what I was picking up on. That's important to me too, if I can. Yeah. I want it to feel, I want everything to feel different. Like that's why I'm not, I mean, there are places now that I've learned more that I'm very interested in going in like Australia and, you know, Western Europe. And, but before that's never been my main pull. And I don't think it'll ever be my top category of pull because I want everything to feel different. I want the clothes, the food, the landscape, the smells, like I want everything to feel different. If not, I'm like, well, I'll just stay here. Like, oh my yeah. yeah. I don't need to go. <laughs> so when you, like when you're traveling to these like wildly different places, is it harder as a as a woman to go to these different places or having Austin there does it help being a couple like what like what's your travel experiences going to somewhere very drastic? Yeah, it is harder. And, and there's just no way around that. I think it's very doable as a solo female traveler. It's not something I can speak to super experienced on because I've never done that because Austin's always been there. But having done it with a partner and still having, you just get more eyes on you, right? It's just, it's not necessarily inherently dangerous. I think there are obviously situations that you shouldn't put yourself in, but that applies to every country, right? Like if you're a woman, don't walk around at night. That applies here in Atlanta, right? Like that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it's less that it's dangerous and more that it's uncomfortable, 
right? Like people are going to stare at you more. I handle, like, for example, I handle all of our money. Like that's, I'm a numbers person. I do all the money. I do all of those things. But when we're in a lot of more conservative places, they tend to just look at Austin and be like, here's the bill. And he just turns around and hands it to me. (laughs) People won't address me. Like if I'm asking a question, they'll kind of answer back to me at Austin sometimes. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you can do it, but yeah, I think it is it is harder. There are places that I wouldn't recommend unless you're super experienced going as a solo that's like woman. Very true. We, I actually have never been anywhere in the Middle East, so I can't speak to that. I know that's probably one of those places that it is harder for women. Maybe I'm wrong on that, um, just culturally. But yeah, it's we have that issue even on YouTube. Sometimes people comment and they direct things at Chris. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa that's my area of expertise. Like, direct that question at me for a second. I mean, we'll have it here. Like when we were trying to buy a truck, or, oh my gosh. when we were trying to buy a new truck, I have a phone number that's based in North Carolina and Sarah has a phone number based in Tennessee. And we would call the same dealership and she would call first and then I would call after. And then 20 minutes would go by and he would call me first. And he didn't know that we were together. Like, it would you take know, days for him to call me back. Yeah, it, would, yeah it, was, it was always, yeah. So I feel like it's kind of everywhere, but I was just curious, you know? Yeah. And, and I had another question, not mm-hmm. that I want to make it like, you know, a feminist thing by any means, but um, I, you said something earlier, like I like the term travel content creator better than influencer. And I actually heard someone else say that, and I, ever since she said this, I was like, oh my gosh, I see it now. People refer to women who do what we're doing as influencers and then the man get the term men get the term content creator and it's ever since she pointed that out, i was like oh my gosh you're right and that influencer has such an it has such a stigma around it. it's like oh you're just an influencer you just want something for free it's like no i'm a content creator i create content and bring value so i don't have you seen that at all no i haven't seen that but i think that it, i've never heard that but that makes so much sense and it's such a valid point and it does make sense because it's like yeah it's women so it's just like a catty ego like you just want attention and you're just doing this so people can look at you you know it's like such a diminished value when it's like no I'm I'm actually I have tangible things that help people and I have to remind myself all the time that it's like no I am helping people when I get messages like you help me plan x y and z trip it's like okay I'm not crazy like I I am actually helping yeah, you do help. You've helped me. In fact, sitting here in this conversation, I'm like, dang it. I know I'm doing a lot wrong with our reels. And Amanda's very convicting her right now because I just, our reels are a disaster. Our manager's been telling us, she's like, you guys need to get more consistent. You need to be more consistent. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I know. I know. I'm working on it. But let's dive into that. Let's, let's talk about tips. I don't want to give everything away because anybody who's listening, Amanda does have a course about content creating specifically with short form content reels, right? Is it geared towards TikTok too, or is it just reels? Well, I think a lot of the things apply to re- or to TikTok, but it is okay. specifically made for reels. So I have that short guide. Well, it's not short. It's like 33 pages, but I have the mm-hmm. ebook guide that's on reels and like kind of how to get started with reels. It's not necessarily how to get started in content in general. It's more so like if you've been making reels and they're just not taking off and you don't really know what you're doing and you're feeling frustrated with like, why is everyone else getting all these views and I'm not? It's kind of speaking to that specifically. And then I'm in the process of building like a full course, like an online video course um, with lessons on all of it from start to finish. Like here's how to get started. Everything from like, here's what your handle should be. Here's how to optimize your bio, like your bio lines. Here's what to do with your highlights and how often to post and kind of 
all of the details that way. I will probably be a customer of that because <laughs> our Instagram is weak. I mean, I'm really thankful people even check us still, but yeah, it is a, it's a all over the place. I see people like you who are just like kicking it. By the way, we didn't even ask us, what is your current following number? Just um, to give context. Um, yeah, on Instagram. I think it's 220, 225. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Congratulations on that, by the way. That's, That's crazy. It's beyond anything. I've literally said, I remember calling, my dad was super into like checking my numbers when it was like growing crazy last summer. And he would be like, oh my gosh, you're almost at 30,000. And I remember texting him when I hit 40,000 and being like, I would be happy if I never had another follower ever again. Mm -hmm. Like wow. 40,000 is more than I could ever imagine in my wildest dreams. And I still don't take it for granted. And I'm, I think people who do start to take it for granted, it shows. You do a great job. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll admit there was a, there were a few days there. I remember when you were posting, like, I just grew, like you did share, like you had grown. It was like last July or something probably, but I, there were a few days I was like regularly checking your account. I was like, she's doing it. She, I was getting so excited. I don't know if I ever told you that, but I was like, look at Amanda go. It was so cool. I want to grow on Instagram. Yeah. I, Let's use, you know what? Let's get a free consultation right no, now. No, we're not doing that. No, listen. Just give us some questions. Yeah, well, like, what would you do differently? Like, what, I mean, like, if I'm going to post a reel or whatever. She's going to rip us a new one on yeah, this podcast. It's fine. It's fine. Let's go. Like, give me your unfiltered thoughts. All right, unfiltered thoughts. Sarah's going to hate it. You have to niche down. I know. I hate it so much. I had a hard time with that, too, right? Everyone talks yeah. about niching down. And if people don't know what niching down is, it's like, you can't just say, I want to be in travel. It's not enough, right? There's too many travel creators out there. You have to have more tangible things. Are you luxury travel? Cool. I need it more. Are you luxury travel with people with kids? Are you luxury travel for people who can only travel one week a year, right? Like it's got to be more. And that doesn't mean, I think people get really stuck on this and I did too, was like, well, I don't want to always do that. Maybe that's not going to be what I'm going to always do. And it's not. It doesn't have to be like, but you have to start somewhere. And when people are growing and when people come to your page, they need to know immediately what they have, what you have to offer. Right. Cause people decide, what is it? Seven seconds or something. It's like your first yes, yeah. six or seven seconds. is crazy fast. So it's like from, first of all, you got to get people coming to your page, but from the time someone clicks on your page, you've got six to seven seconds to communicate to them why they should follow you and what you have to offer them. And if it's not clear or it's just kind of all over the place, you're gonna be like, well, I don't really know what to expect from this person. So I don't see the value. That's us. <laughs> no, I know 100%. Yeah, it's it's scary. I mean, I we have we did used to niche down and I'm not I'm not arguing you by any means because I do know that like when we niche down, we saw growth. We also experienced like when we niche down and then we pivoted. And that was like one of the hardest seasons of our life. Like not the hardest seasons of our life. That sounds really dramatic, but it was so hard going from like van life to travel and like it is possible to change, but man, it's like, well, it takes intentionality. Yeah, sure. and we accidentally got into the van bubble. We didn't know what we were doing right. and we were and we didn't set out to be in van life, right. but then van life found us. <laughs> We, we got tired of answering comments of how to use the toilet every day. And we're like, we don't want to do this or right? where to do laundry. Right. And so I think that, I think that's where our hesitation comes from. Yeah. But I know like, you're so right. Like we have to do that. And it's finding like, what am I, what am I caring enough about to niche down for right yeah. now? So I think people yeah. get not, I'm not saying you do this, but I think people in general do get really stuck on like, well, I don't want to do that forever. And I feel like I can really speak to that because I had like on my thing, I said I was budget travel. I don't actually consider myself budget travel in the 
to true budget travel sense because in my mind, budget travel is like you've got $30 a day and you're going to stay in a dorm room hostel and you're going to eat ramen noodles, right? You can right. do that. That's not my style of travel. I want a private room. I filter on air conditioning and I want Wi-Fi, right? Yes. So I'm still finding places for $50 a night versus $12 for a dorm bed, right? Right. And I do luxury things too, right? Like we do five-star safaris and we'll yeah. pay a lot of money to go on a catamaran in the Galapagos, but it helps people understand what I'm bringing to the table, right? So when I was doing that to me, while I don't consider myself a budget traveler, what I do have a lot of like value in, I think is price transparency. And that's what I actually believe in, but that's less like tangible. If I put that in my handle, like price transparency, people be like, I don't know what that means. Right. Sure. Yeah. What I mean is like, you can do whatever you want to do. If you want to spend this much money on a luxury safari, it's probably not as much as you think it is if you're talking about taking some long trip in the U.S. to Disney, right? Like if you want to spend $15 a day, you can do that. But here's what I'm spending and here is how much it's costing me to do these things. And I'm going to share that and be really open about what these things cost. And so it's the transparency. But mm -hmm. that being said, I think it helped me grow a lot, but I've now taken that out, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's really not, I'm really not providing just value on prices or like right. it. I'm really providing like just a realistic travel view, but it didn't help me grow because it was very clear what I was offering. Yeah, no, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, like, it, and I was going to say, it kind of comes back to that whole idea of like providing value. Like you gave people content, like valuable content, not just like, look at me traveling the world. Like you actually gave them value. And even if that value shifts, like you're still consistent, consistently providing something to them. They come to your page and they know they're going to get something of value to help themselves travel, which I think is really important. Yeah. So at what point, you know, you're, you're adding value to people, you're giving value to people, but at what point do, do your people fall in love with you? Because I can view like resources all day long and you know, oh, that's great. She traveled there for 10 bucks or a hundred bucks, whatever, whatever it may be. But when do they fall in love with you? Like, how do you make that content? So I think there's like, I don't remember how the saying goes, but it's like, they follow for what you can provide them. They stay because they fall in love with you or something like that. Like mm -hmm. sure. people follow because you're giving them something tangible, right? Because you have yeah. something to offer them. It's a, it's mm -hmm. transactional. It's like, here's what I have to offer you. And they're like, cool, I could use that, right? And they stay because they learn to like you and understand that you are also helpful, but also real and relatable. And I think that's where social media in general is going. Like, I think that's why TikTok is super popular, right? Yeah. Because it's like more raw and authentic. And I think there's basically like two parts of social media right now. And it's either like super, super like beautiful curated content with high quality equipment. And it's this me filming, walking in my backyard, teaching something about something, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like super raw, like real, people. like very out of camera. Right. It's like one yeah. side or the other. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think people just, and messaging people, like I respond to DMs all day, every day. Yeah. And it's like building trust of like, I'm not just here because I want some number. Like right. I could do what I do and provide the value that I provide and never have to show my face and no one actually knew who I was. I would totally do that because Same. I don't need the attention. Like I it's uncomfortable. <laughs> like, like it's really awkward. Like if, if I see somebody and they follow me, 
and they say they follow me, I like turn super red and I really, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so, so do I. I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Why do you follow me? Yeah. I'm like apologetic. I'm like, why am I apologizing? Yeah. I'm so sorry for that video we posted. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean what I said. I don't know why. I don't know why. But it's, I think it's because we're in it for the right reasons, right? It's like you're yeah. in it to provide value and to like help people out. And by doing that, you have to be someone that is honest and relatable. And that's what we're drawn to. You do a great job of it, Amanda. Like, I really do want to say that. Like, you've done a really incredible job of growing a business and building trust. And now that you've, like, you hooked us with your travel. And I don't, I know I found you because you were traveling with your dog, too. I think, or you were about to, maybe you, I don't remember how you found, we found each other. But I think maybe you reached out about traveling with your dog. Yeah, like I, you're about to. You. I remember yeah. in Brazil. And I remember, like, the Airbnb y'all were in and everything. And I was like, oh, yeah. imagine this girl. <laughs> <laughs> So we may have found each other for traveling with a dog, like talk about niche down, which is a whole niche is traveling with pets, but, um, we stuck around and I feel like I've gotten to know you just from your stories, your everyday stories. Like right now you're doing a series on, or not, maybe it's not a series, but every morning you make the same breakfast every morning and then people submit their questions at night and then you answer those questions while you're making your breakfast every morning. And it's just, this, it's very consistent. I've gotten to where I, the last few days, I'm like, Oh, Amanda's questions. Like I get to learn more about Amanda today. Like whatever yeah. it is, like you do provide these little nuggets. It's fun. I love it. Yeah. So how, how long do you spend on your phone? Oh God. <laughs> I hate that question. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, so because I work, I usually get up in the morning. I'm glad Austin's not here to be like, that's a lie. Don't say that. Um, I can get up anywhere between seven and eight, right? So okay. sometimes it's seven, sometimes it's like 755. Um, but as soon as I get up, I need to be better about setting a better routine and boundaries with it. But I get up, I go make my breakfast and my coffee and I'm on my phone right away. Right. I'm responding to DMS. I'm responding to people. I'm like, if I'm finishing my content that I'm going to post later in the day, I'll like make the final tweaks of like making the cover photo and finishing my caption. And then when I'm working, I'm obviously not on my phone, but any time I go and refill my coffee, right. Or I meeting lunch on the back porch for 15 minutes, or I go to get a glass of water. I'm looking at my DMS. Right. Yeah. And then in the evenings, that's all I do. I get off of work yeah. whenever I'm done with work and I am either on my phone, creating content for the next day, responding to DMs, replying to comments, or mostly right now it's all finalizing my script for the course. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, yeah. So, do you oh. find it, do you find it draining being on the phone for a while or even interacting with so many people like do you, in order to grow do you feel like you have to be like yes i have to respond be on the app as much as possible because obviously that's what instagram or tiktok whoever they want you to be on that app for as long as possible so do you do you feel pressure to do that or or do you feel tired at the end of the day or, or you know you, oh sorry no, no go ahead or do you are you good about setting boundaries in place i know you said like you spend more time on your phone than what you want to admit, but are, have you found different ways to put those boundaries in place? No. <laughs> I love how honest you are. No, not at all. It's hard, isn't it? It's really hard. And it's hard because I want to be helpful and I don't like, and it is something I need to be better about, about setting boundaries. And I think my advice to other people would be don't set the habits I've set. Like, mm. right? Like, do as I do not wait, do as I say, not as I do. Right. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> like set a time to respond to DMS. Don't respond to DMS all day the way that I do. It's not sustainable long-term. I need to be better about it, but it's not because I feel an obligation. It's because I feel more so like 
I want to help your question so bad that I feel bad that you're waiting on me. Mm -hmm. Um, but something I have gotten better about is when I get DMS and they've never messaged me before and they go to the request folder, right? Mm -hmm. I leave them there until I'm ready to respond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people have really, really long, really in-depth questions and I want to get back to them, but sometimes it's like, I don't have the capacity right now to answer. And I want to answer you fully. I don't want to give some half-hearted answer. And so I just want to like respond to people and like be attentive but not because they're making me feel that way. It's like a very like personal pressure. Like nobody's doing that to me. Like that's me. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. We get questions. I mean, everybody gets questions who on Instagram, like especially in the DMs. And I, Chris, I always tell like, you need to be more personal when you answer the the questions because I'm like giving them practically like the like. She'll the write an entire book, multiple like, messages like, to people, and I'm like, here's the link. Bye. Like, like, like you they, know. <laughs> but if they have a detailed question, like we used to get tons of questions, like. Right now, it's questions about traveling to Mexico or whatever it is. I will give them at least a paragraph answer, like at least a paragraph answer. And then this is, this is personal, but like one of my biggest pet peeves is when I do that. And at best, I'll get a like, like a heart back on it. And I'm like, or a thumbs up. Like, a thank you would be cool. <laughs> or they don't respond at all. I know yeah. it's like seen. And I'm like, I see you. Yeah. I totally see you. And it's like, I'm still happy to help. But then again, it's, it is, I, that's where I'm kind of, I know I need to put better boundaries in place because it is exhausting to do that. And then I, I don't know if well, that makes you, sense. Well, you mentioned it earlier, you know, the, it's a transactional relationship mm -hmm. and we're on the other end of that transaction. People ask, 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 and then we give, 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 and then we never, we, we never receive anything oh, other that's than- that's not true. We well, have a lot of people who really give back and it's yeah, encouraged. No, 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 but I'm saying, <laughs> well, no, 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 yeah, really no, great. but yeah, let me clarify. I think like, but like you give, 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 and then people take, and then a lot, a lot of people do not reciprocate, like they, they just don't give back. Well, I think, Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, so to that, I think it's kind of exactly what Sarah was saying earlier about like, there are people who are really, really invested in who we are, right? Like they care yeah. about who we are, they care about how we're doing. Like yeah. there's that set of people who are like, they're my people, right? Like we're in it yeah. together. Like they're, yeah. then there's a lot of people who, and this is fine, but there's a lot of people who are there because we are providing value, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So mm -hmm. because the more of a following you have, the more inflated those amounts get. So you've got more people who are really invested, but you've also got a lot more people who are just there for the value. And I think that that's sometimes hard to explain to people that's like, the more you grow, the more people are demanding of you and not in a bad way. Like I'm happy to help, but to answer, like to kind of speak to what you're saying about like sending paragraphs, I voice note now. That's like my, uh, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Yeah. It's so much faster. Um, and I can provide so much more value and it is also really, yeah. it's much more personal. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. to say so much more, so much quicker than I could if I was sitting there typing it out on my phone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how I like batch respond. But yeah, that would be my yeah. advice to anybody is like, don't do what I do. Like do them all at once, like set aside a year of time. Oh, Theo's. <laughs> Hi, Theo. But the people who are watching the video podcast, Theo just popped his head back up. I love him so much. He's so much like Kramer. Um, wow, this has been good. Amanda, thank you so much. Um, I'm already sitting here thinking about like, oh, I need to go change the covers for my highlights and reorganize my highlights and do different highlights and all this kind of thing. Like I know, I know there's so much that needs to be done and this has been really encouraging because I have not set boundaries in place. In fact, I took all like all of Febu February off from Instagram. I just like completely deleted the app. Like I didn't even touch it. Chris may have answered a couple messages here and there, mm -hmm. but for the most part, like we just ghosted because it just gets, I wasn't burned out. I was just tired of 
the feeding the machine, I think, but it's the constant age old battle of like, I need to put boundaries in place, but where do you put those boundaries? So yeah, like I get think like the voicemails and like setting times for ourselves and that kind of thing. Like we may say it, but like we've got to implement yeah. it. This is going to kill me. Well, I was just going to say one more thing. So I think people love to hate on Instagram because it's like the cool thing, right? Like the same way that people want to give influencers a hard time, which is why we like the term content creator, right? And it's, I think people love to hate on Instagram as something that's really superficial and it gets this like bad reputation. But I'm always like, I love Instagram. Like Instagram changed my life, not in a content creation way. Absolutely not. Instagram following people doing the things I wanted to do completely changed my life because it opened my mind to the fact that I could do these things. Like these other people are doing these things. I can do these things. And for people who, not y'all, but there are people who like really, really hate on Instagram. And I'm like, no. if you really hate on Instagram and you feel like it's all really negative, like there is a personal accountability there, right? Like don't follow those people then. Whoever yeah. you're following, they're making you feel that way, unfollow them. Like I'm very, very particular about who I follow because yeah, same. I don't want to follow people that make me feel bad about my life. I was going to say there's people that we follow because we want to encourage and support them, but there's also some people I'm like, I I don't, your content doesn't resonate with me, but like maybe I'm okay with your post, but I'm not your stories. And so I'll like mute one or the other. And it's not personal. It's like, I just, if I'm feeling negative about it in any way, like I want to be able to encourage you. And so I'll just, I'll hide you. And then does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the, the worst thing I'm, is like, I mean, we were at an event and we met, uh, met a couple of people and we all started following each other on Instagram. And then, you know, three days later, you know, one of those people like unfollowed us and it's like, Oh, what did I do? Why did you hate me? Like you are, you know, you take it sort of personal. And I think we, we err on the side of like, okay, I, I still want to support you. I still like you as a person, but I'm not resonating with your content. So we'll mute it or we'll try to hide it just so, because like we're, we still like you as a person, but we may not like your content. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you, Amanda, like Instagram has, it really has opened a lot of opportunities up for us. So I'm mm-hmm. not hating on it. Cause I mean, that was the first social media platform we got into. Like I was, n- I still don't watch YouTube, even though we do YouTube, I think that's our main platform. But, um, like Instagram is where I go to socialize. And I feel like that's the biggest, mm-hmm. it, I feel like it has the best two way communication. Like YouTube, people, YouTube and podcasts, people watch. And so they feel like they really know us, but it's harder for me to feel like I know them. Whereas people, when they slip into our DMS or they comment, like b- people may not realize, like I recognize the most popular commenters. I may not answer every single comment or every single message. Like I try to, but I see you. And that means so much. Like I recognize your name popping up. So I think Instagram has so much value as far as it's, it's personal and it allows for a really great relationship building with your audience. Yeah. If somebody wanted to start today to do content creation, they were starting out, like, what would you tell them? I would tell them to not two things. (laughs) Don't rush into it as in like, you feel like you have to have everything figured out but also you have to just start, right? Like it sounds so dumb, but it's like people I think get really overwhelmed by like, well, how do I do all of these different things? And how do I like, what does my handle need to be? Like I changed my handle. My handle wasn't my handle now when I first started and I made my handle and it was called wander in plain sight, like a plane. Yeah. I didn't even, I don't even remember you having that well, handle. You wouldn't, you wouldn't because, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, this is a bad idea, but I, right. Like it's fine. Like you can change things. You can change your niche down. Like you can change all these things. But I think the biggest thing is like just doing it, pick something that you're feeling really passionate about. Like if somebody sat down on a podcast with you and was like, you didn't know what they were going to ask about. What is something you could sit down and talk about? Mm -hmm. Right. Like 
passionately and knowledgeably. And so what are you passionate about? Talk about those things. You can figure out the details as you go. Um, and you have to be consistent. Like that's the actual like tangible thing that actually really matters is you have to be consistent. And the more you post, the more you grow. That doesn't mean you have to post every day, but if someone's posting seven reels a week and you're posting three, it's going to take you more than twice as long to grow. That's so good. Honestly, you are encouraging me for in things that I've been very scared to do. Like truthfully, I've been very scared to niche down and very scared to start posting more regularly and that kind of thing. Like I'm very hesitant because like it scares me, but you're encouraging me like, just do it. Just start somewhere. Like I, I'm encouraged. Like it's not going to be in the world. I can pivot. I can change. I can yeah. do whatever I want. But so I think in terms of consistency, because I think consistency is really important and for anybody getting started, anybody who's been doing it. And I was talking to Austin about it. And I was like, maybe this is dumb, but I have like an analogy that I like, and I put it in my reels guide. And I was like, being consistent on Instagram is kind of like being in a toxic relationship in the sense that your, let's say your partner is coming to you and is like, I'm so sorry. I hurt you. I'm going to call you every day. I'm going to show up every day. And you're like, okay, I believe you. And then they ghost you again you're not going to trust them, right? Because they keep showing up and telling you they're going to be there. And then you, they ghost you. That's exactly how it is. If you are posting content and how the algorithm views you, if you're posting content, you're like, look, Instagram, look algorithm. I'm going to show up. I'm going to come and I'm going to post consistently. And I'm going to like get people on my page. And then you ghost the algorithm. The algorithm is like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to trust you. Why would I promote your content? You're just going to ghost me again. Right? Like, don't out on me. And so you have to build that relationship with the algorithm where you teach it to trust you and it takes yeah. time, just like it would take time. If you had a partner who had burned you in the past, it's like, well, you're gonna have to prove it to me. It's going to have to be a yeah. while before you ghost me. Like again, that I'm going to believe you're not going to do it. Right. I, I, feel, I feel like we've learned a lot in, in this episode. A yeah, lot. I feel like I have a lot to go home and do today. It's <laughs> <So laughs> <thanks> a lot. <laughs> like I need to do more so, stuff. So if people wanted to follow, follow along or they want to learn more about your course or whatever, how can, how can people find, find out about you? So my Instagram is the most easiest way to find all of the details, right? DM me, whatever my handles, Amanda Monique Brown. Um, there's way too many Amanda Browns out there. So I had to throw in my middle name. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> That's why it's so long. Um, I do also have a website that people can subscribe to like my email list. So if they wanted to know more details about the course, um, I will send all that out early. And my website is amandamoniquebrown.com. So very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Easy enough. It. I will link everything down below too, but that's good to let people hear it too. Yeah, so. yeah. This was so good, Amanda. Thank you so much. And I really want to make that trip to Thailand with our dogs happen soon. I think now, I think that would do great things for our Instagrams, truthfully. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to see our two dogs running around Thailand. <laughs> the double underbite. I just love it so much. Amanda, thank you so much. It was so good talking with you. Yeah, I had so much fun. Thanks. Thanks for listening to What No One Tells You with Chris and Sarah. If you have a comment or question that you want answered on the air, be sure to send us a message to hello at chrisandsarah.com or you can call or text our phone number at 423-825-9572. Thanks for listening.